You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, and welcome to Earth Station One. That's right, folks. We are back, and we got a movie review for you this week. We are going to be looking at the new release from DC Comics. We are looking at Birds of Prey, and did it sink, did it fly away, or did it stink? We're going to talk all about that tonight. It should be a lot of fun, and we got a great crew to talk all about it. The man who is a true bird of prey himself, Mr. Mike Gordon, is here. Howdy! Don't keep away from me with that beak of yours. Hey, hey, hey. Like, look, dude, you got to say the whole title. It doesn't, like, Birds of Prey could be anything. It's Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Come on, man. Do you know they're actually going to be re-releasing it with a new title? (laughs) Already? Like a different title than all of that? Yes. Wow. It was, it oh yeah, I think the... uh, is it uh, just Harley Quinn slash uh, Birds of Prey? Yes. Yeah, that's not so. So we also have our movie folks here with us. We have, of course, Ashley Pauls. Hello. Thanks for having me back. Oh, I couldn't do a movie review without you. You know, you're soon going to just be owning every show on the network anyway, so it's okay. <laughs> we did a movie review without her last week. <laughs> well, yeah, but we had a Darren <laughs> instead. That's true. That's true. And and we saved you, uh, really. So yeah, we some, did. Some, yeah, we saved you a little bit. Have so. you seen Mommy Dearest, actually? I have not. Oh, that would have been fun. I don't think you no, that doesn't need to be added to your better late than never. Series. Okay, so I was gonna say <laughs> maybe we'll just let <laughs> no. that one pass. No, there, the, the, we're the, never then better. Than yes. There's, there's, <laughs> there's at least like three hundred that should go before that yeah. and a few before that. So agreed, agreed. And of course you heard Alex Autry's here. Hey, how are you, everybody? Good to see you, sir. Uh always a pleasure. He it is. has seen Mommy Dearest. Yes. I have seen Mommy Dearest. Yes, um, and he said, he, he said or before we started recording, dear God, thank you for not having me on yeah. that show. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I think realized, it's pretty cool. We're, we're on a space station, man. I'd have walked out. Um, <laughs> he would have walked out on the plank. He would have been, you know, <laughs> please don't make me watch it, please. So, but yes. Uh, yeah, talking about it's not the hard part. Watching it is the hard part. Yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, there was—I don't know—it was—it was—it was fun. It was, I'm glad we did that, though. So, oh, Darren enjoyed it, and that's all that counts. Absolutely, of course. But of course, we love being here with you guys, and it's going to be a great talk. Uh, in a few minutes, we're going to talk all about the Academy Awards that were last night, as of this recording. So we'll talk all about that. But we, of course, we want to hear from you guys at home. Please write us at EarthStation1 at ESONetwork.com. We'd definitely love to hear from you from you guys. Tell us what you thought about Birds of Prey. Tell us what you guys thought about the Academy Awards. We definitely, you know, want to hear from you guys. You know, I don't want to harp on it, but, you know, 2020 is already starting to feel a little bit like 2016 when we've been losing everybody. Hmm. It has been like, we're not even like, a week or so into February, and how many deaths have we already had? I don't know. Over the week, it seems like my my news feed is like just a different one, like every few hours. Yeah. But, 
and it feels like because I'm the one who has to post it on the ESO Facebook page, and it's like, God, I feel like I'm the Undertaker or something. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, damn, I got to put well, another one up. You're not the one doing it, are Maybe. you? you didn't see me there so i can't tell you my uh my sister and i do a a running thing where if we hear about it we we send uh, a a thing and you know there are just times when you don't think it it just kind of happens and you go and i sent her one about kirk douglas and said you know kirk douglas dead at 103 and she responded with what happened (laughs) shark accident i just don't know it's just like he's 103 that's what happened to him he was in his prime damn you spartacus i I mean that's uh yeah i mean to lose a legend like that and that i mean he he could you know we could do a whole show about him but uh and yeah so I don't know. It happens this time of year. Hopefully it's not going to be a trend throughout the whole year. Yeah. I hope not. I really hope not. Cause you know, let's just get it over with and hopefully it's done. No more death this year. My, that's it. That's it. Wow. That's going to really, you know, make for heavy traffic. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yes. <laughs> oh, I know. Very heavy traffic. <laughs> God, the world's getting a little crap more crowded than we ever thought it would. <laughs> uh, you know, Thanos you gotta... was right. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if only we had a like you know contagious virus that was running rampant somewhere in the world that could. Yeah. Have you seen the Corona Light Twitter feed for that? Oh God, you're kidding! <laughs> no, it's been some of the most brilliant. They they sat there and it, they they had to do a post where they sat there and said you cannot get the coronavirus from corona what you can get are bad choices and waking up with somebody you don't know that is an actual twitter uh quote from from the people at corona and god bless them they know their product (laughs) 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 wow okay spoken like uh the voice of experience (laughs) just saying and when Ashley's old enough to drink, yeah, <laughs> we'll explain that to her. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it was so it was so so nice when she was at Dragon Con two years ago, and we said someday Ashley, you'll be able to have one of these drinks too. <laughs> Just when I grow up. <laughs> nice, that's nice. And then yeah, you know, she got fussy, and they gave her a cookie, and exactly. <laughs> all was well. All was well, exactly. So, all right. So we got to definitely jump in Academy Awards. Uh, huge surprises this year. The big, you know, some of it was very predictable, but the big surprise, of course, had to be par- the success of Parasite. Yeah, the, the double win from Parasite. Uh, this is the first time a foreign language film has ever won Best Picture, and that's that yeah. just, yeah. I mean, people are still stunned. Uh, you know, that they even we were talking about it beforehand, Mike, about how, we thought that it should win, even though I've never seen it. But I mean, from everything I've heard, it certainly is a contender. And yet, we—I didn't think I wouldn't have put money on that. No way. Well, the m- movie is so different, and it was brilliant. It was like we walked out of the movie theater when we saw it because we saw it down at the Terra down in Midtown, and we just like had to sit in the lobby 
myself, Judy, and a friend who went to go see it, and we just had to talk about it. It was that powerful. It's amazing. Uh, did you see it, Alex? I, I, I have not seen it yet. I looked at the list of the movies that were nominated for Best Picture, and the only one that stood out for me as a real winner potential was Parasite. My Tally went and my beautiful wife Tally um, went and saw 1917. That was her horse. If 1917 was nominated, that was her horse. And I sat there and I looked at it, and and just from looking at what was nominated, especially in the director category, and that's a nasty thing to say when you consider who all was nominated for best director. But I looked at it and went, wow. If Hollywood wants to send a message that it's not all white men that win, this is the year for Parasite. Um, and that's an that's amazing because I didn't I didn't think they would have I didn't think the Academy would have the balls to do that. To be honest with you, I, I think a lot of backlash, historically speaking, yeah. they never have. I think there was a lot of backlash after uh, people like Greta didn't get nominated at all, um, and how amazingly caucasian this uh this oscars was mm-hmm. oh very and, much so and, mm-hmm. and i really think that a lot of the voters kind of listened to the backlash and voted accordingly that said south korea had never won an oscar before At and all. they came out with four of them <laughs> it's the first like you said it's the first non-english speaking film um to to win uh best picture uh which is crazy because if uh somebody posted online earlier today that if uh if the artist had used the word we instead of yes then it would have been the first um but yeah i I think it's i think it's very very telling um either of how the voters listen to the backlash and vote accordingly or how much the the voting as the voting in general looked for the artistry instead of the oscar bait well i don't consider 1917 though oscar bait i thought it was very very well done i i understand yeah. that, that it's well done it also has many of the patterns that you need for an Oscar nominated movie. Yeah. Nobody wouldn't have been surprised. And yeah. I would, that's why it was a safe bet for me. And technically, you know, it actually is one of the best movies I've seen in a long time. I mean, it is, it is Same. an amazing achievement. And um, Sam Mendes is brilliant with everything yeah. he does. And mm-hmm. I'm still kind of, I mean, not to like add more whiteness <laughs> to, to the Oscars, but I, I am kind of upset that Knives Out was basically ignored. Um, I agree. Uh, that was my probably my second favorite movie of last year. So, wow. um, uh, so, but that said, you know, I mean, part of me is like, yes, they, they are there. It was bold, but another part of me, I mean, look, it was just a Hollywood trend, right? It's a trendy thing. It was to vote for, for Parasite. I don't even know if half the people who voted in the Academy had actually seen it. You know, I like it, it all is really just a marketing thing. And, uh, I, you know, the message that they're sending is a good one, but I don't necessarily know if um, the end was, was really like the end result was actually what the Academy was thinking uh, mm. when they voted uh, just because, 
historically, you know, they just tend to go with the wind and uh, um, for no rhyme or reason. And, uh, but I'm amazed. I'm, I'm glad they did the right thing here. I will be say something that's kind of unpopular though. And I was thrilled that Irishman didn't win anything. Wow. Yeah. I, 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 it, I kind of agree with you. Yeah. It, Irishman was almost what almost four hours long. Yes, and it felt more like a it should have been a mini series on Netflix instead of a movie. There was mm. actually a, a joke done uh, during, uh, I think it was when uh, Chris Rock and Steve Martin were not hosting, and uh, Steve Martin looked at Scorsese and said, "I loved season one of The Irishman." Oh, that's <laughs> awesome! Oh. That is awesome. I was like. That says everything because it states right there if they can make that kind of joke that maybe Netflix hasn't gotten to that point where they need to be taken as a credible threat. If they wanted to be a credible threat, they should have nominated Dolomite instead. Yeah. No, well, I think, look, everything I've heard about Irishman means that it's it's solid. So I think it's a solid contender. And there was a lot of love for Scorsese last night, a lot of there was a lot of it for him. Yeah, so I mean, nobody's like feeling sorry for him, but on the same token, I think you know they should have they should have let Irishmen like breathe in the theater like for a few months instead of just the obvious like here we're releasing it just so mm-hmm. we can qualify mm-hmm. for the Oscars. Exactly. Um, yeah, I think I think that's more insulting than anything else because three and a half mo- hour movies win Oscars all the time like that's that's not that's not an exception um uh, you no. sit down and watch gandhi you know like uh that's gonna be season one of gandhi right spartacus um, yes. yeah. i don't have anything about long movies trust me i've heard the new james bond is almost going to be three hours Oof. so hey you get your, the way my mom always says it you get your money's worth right that's yeah. right yeah. <laughs> well, you, you do but i think it was a cheap way of doing it like you guys said if Irishman or something from Netflix, even what Marriage Story, yeah, um, should have been at the theaters longer than a week. Yeah, Marriage Story, you're right because that wasn't even. I don't even know how long that was. I think it was just in like two theaters. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I don't think it even came locally to me. I just watched it on Netflix. To mm. be fair, and Ashley, back me up on this because you've seen it, and I haven't. But to be fair, do you really want to see that in public? Like, because you're going to be a mess afterwards, right? Uh, you know what? I watched it wearing a bathrobe, snuggling with my cat downstairs. And I feel like that's the best way to watch that movie. Maybe with yeah. a glass of wine. So not exactly what I call a good date movie. But you, no, didn't, it's not. you didn't watch it with your husband, I see. I did not. So. <laughs> I'm afraid I'm going to have to show the wife how to actually do Netflix so that she can see it. Yeah. It, would, it would be, uh, honey, I think we need to talk. Ooh, yeah. no. <laughs> the, uh, the, she loves Adam Driver. She was thrilled that he was nominated. Um, I, I think we're all in agreement that the best actor nominee uh, uh, nominees it was a foregone conclusion. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Although, again, another thing that makes history—that uh, I, I think, Alex, you and I talked about this—I yep. think before, right? That yep. this is the first time that a a two actors um, playing male. the same uh, male, male, okay, because so, I think the same character have won uh, like like some uh, some queens. Like yeah, I, queens. I think I I, I want to say British royalty, uh, yeah. maybe Elizabeth. Has yeah, could be. both been done for best supporting and best uh, actress. Right. But here um, are what about like Hel- the- Helen Keller also, wasn't it? 
I don't know. I, I, I think for the miracle worker, yeah. the two, uh, the two main stars of it, one supporting and actress, but right. I don't think it was the Helen Keller, uh, character portrayal. Okay. Uh, well. specifically that one, gotcha. uh, but I, I could be wrong. I can be totally and, wrong on that. So. And, you know, I mean, look, I mean, DC gets a, a little bit of push from this. I mean, it's a pretty amazing thing. I mean, um, it made a ton of money and it got an Oscar. So, yep. Yep. Um, and, you know, it gave, uh, it gave Joaquin an excuse to go up and spout stuff that I... Oh, Joaquin. He's a, he's a vegan. <laughs> he's a vegan. It's, just, it's fine. It's just Joaquin being Joaquin, you know. Um, one of the things that I did like about this, especially with it being Oscar weekend... Um, as you know, I'm a numbers guy. Yes. Um, 1917 had a 3% loss of, uh, a 3% drop at the box office for the weekend after losing 429 screens. Wow. Wow. Yes. So that is an amazing thing to happen. It was the number three movie at the box office behind birds of prey and bad boys for life um so i think a lot of people going into that last weekend uh were really jonesing to see what they thought was probably going to be uh the the number one movie and in fact parasite which was finished in 11th Hmm. um Hmm. and uh now that uh renee zellweger's movie judy has won an award that should double the amount of money they make so that film's probably gonna make 60 bucks wait 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 has it been has been has it been released? It has been released. Oh, for a while. I thought you were going to say. Yeah. I thought now that she's won the award, now it can be released in theater. Now they can release it in theater. Well, they would have had to release it at some point, but yeah, <laughs> only two. Only in I think, I think we've established that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, Judy, in fact, this past weekend scored thirteen thousand dollars. Well, I, I've heard the story is awful, but I heard she's wonderful in it. Well, she kept her eyes open for the whole film, so yeah. <laughs> that alone should get her an Academy Award. Right. I was happy to see Brad Pitt won for Once Upon a Time. Yes. And his reaction when he won, it was genuine. Yeah. You could see the excitement on his face. That was awesome. So that one actually, you know, was th- I was thrilled to see. It's been a long time coming, though. I mean, he 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 deserved it. Honestly, I thought he deserved it for Twelve Monkeys. True, I um, agree. Or even you know, Fight Club in in some series. That one though, I, I, that was another one that you just kind of. I I don't. Pitt deserved it, mm-hmm. but I feel like a lot of the awards given for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was Hollywood patting itself on the back. Oh, in some ways, yes, and it does that every time. Um, that's why you know some people were predicting that quentin might have won for best director yeah yeah because you know because of the content of the movie yeah and everything and you know he only has one more shot to get it now so you know his 10th movie and then he gets help from the time lords gets more regenerations what i don't understand (laughs) hello made a geek reference okay i was so proud of you alex thank you and laura dern laura dern yeah. For marriage story. Yeah. So and, uh, Netflix did get, wind up getting us some love mm-hmm. um, with that. And Dern definitely deserved it. I loved her, uh, her, her acceptance speech, um, which really kind of praised her parents, uh, which was very nice. Um, it was, it was a, it was a night of some really good speeches and Joaquin. 
So, um, <laughs> but man, that woman who kept coming up and interrupting the guy from Parasite, like he's sitting there talking another language. She jumps up, starts talking uh, stuff, and I'm like, "Wait, lady, let him finish." Mm-hmm. But I liked how his one English, you know, phrase mm-hmm. he did. <laughs> I want to get drunk. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. Was, Probably. Earn the right to celebrate at that point. Oh God, yeah. And um, we I, learned some. We learned some Korean because now we know that how to say in Korean Martin Scorsese, and it's Martin Scorsese. So that's <laughs> fantastic. So uh, we also had Toy Story Four. Yeah. Yep. Uh-huh. Um, Should have been Claws. Yeah. No. Should have been Claws. <laughs> <laughs> He wants to give Netflix all the awards. No, yeah. I just wanted to get Claws the award. <laughs> see the movie Claws, see the movie Toy Story 4, then tell me I'm wrong. Okay. People can... will comment that I'm right. Okay. I will. I will actually sit down and watch it now. I think you'll enjoy it. I hope so. Me too. Have, has, has, all right, this might be a silly question. Yeah. Has, has a movie not by Disney or Pixar won Best Animated picture yes yes in fact the very first year uh it was won by shrek (laughs) Um, there you go good old dreamworks Uh, what a a high bar that set yeah i think um i I think you've uh i want to say did uh, there was a french movie oh the three three sisters yes yes the three sisters of uh, yeah. Some French city, um, yeah. the 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 three sisters of Je ne sais quoi, um, <laughs> because I don't remember the name of it. Uh, but I think that one won as well. I could be wrong. That one you know could have just as easily lost to because uh, I think Monsters Inc. was actually the first Disney movie to win Best Animated. I think so too. So, so all right. I think we're good. Um, Elton John won his first. Okay. Yeah, that was a good Bernie. moment. Good for Elton. That was yeah. Bernie Taupin's first. It was Elton's second. Oh, that's true, because Elton won. Can you feel the love tonight? King. Yeah. Mm-hmm. King. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still kind of surprised Rocket Man didn't get more love at the Academy Awards after all, which I think is kind of part of the problem. It feels like the Academy Awards are always weighted towards movies that come out later in the year. I yes. feel like some really good work that happens earlier in the year sometimes get overlooked there's well, a lot same, of that, same way that with, happens. we talked about that us wasn't nominated yeah. yeah yeah you know and that was early release that said one of the most successful films uh of the last 30 years at the academy awards uh was a movie that came out in february and it won best picture best director actor actress and screenplay and that was a small film called the silence of the lambs interesting yep the movie was already out on video for three months before it won best picture hmm. wow yeah they had to go back and repackage everything and put because we had we got us we got a roll of stickers uh <laughs> that said best picture and we're just like slapping it on each each copy and then shrink wrap it again uh-huh. <laughs> of course so yeah so i thought it was an entertaining from what i saw because I wasn't home to watch the actual thing. I literally turned on the TV when we got home last night and it, it was, they were doing the uh, acceptance speech for Parasite for best yeah. picture. Yeah. And so it was just like, okay, that's cool. Yeah, like, I saw the last three awards. 
uh, when I got home. Because uh, I wasn't there. I wasn't home either last night, Mike. Isn't that weird? Isn't that, know, what a weird coincidence. Very, very strange. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. And neither one like of us they were, were together. Hmm. I wonder uh, why. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, it seemed like, you know, from what I hear from the aftermath, it doesn't seem like uh, there was too much other other drama or whatever. So, but like I said, I think the, the important thing here is that, you know, that the, the success that Parasites had uh, really opens the door, hopefully, for more diversity and more risk-taking from, uh, that's rewarded by the Academy. Well, hopefully the movie studios will learn from this, but highly doubt it <laughs> yeah yeah i know i mean this could just be one of those like flukes you know and then they just go back to you know little women too wasn't there what was it a couple of years ago that one best picture the movie that was all like a silent movie the artist the artist exactly. the artist at the very end of it uh the word yes is used Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's what kept it from, uh, and for the longest time, that was the, uh, cause that was the last one, the last black and white, uh, to win best picture. There you go. So it's interesting. And I'm hoping I'd like more avant-garde stuff. And I was really glad to see because Par- Parasite was great. You know, I, this is the first year I've probably seen at least half of the best pictures since they've expanded out the list. Right. It used to be for me. I was such a movie head. I used to go see all the best movies when it was like five films, right, and everything. But now it's what nine? It's up to Uh, ten. Yeah, Uh, they only had nine in this year, so they had an open slot. I don't know why they didn't fill all ten, but uh, whatever. Mm-hmm. The academy is going to do what the academy is going to do. It has. I think it has to get a certain number, a percentage of uh, of votes to be nominated. Um, and then, sure. so if it doesn't hit like 70, I think it's a doesn't hit 75%, uh, that it doesn't get nominated. I think mm-hmm. that's, that, that's what happens, which is why, you know, it was such a big deal last year when black Panther got nominated. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of us kind of thought that maybe Avengers Endgame would get it as the whole body of work, uh, nomination, uh, much in the way that, uh, return of the King. Right. Got that's his, what I thought. Too, right. um, but uh, yeah, no, I, as I recall, what they did was they it's going to range from between five nominees to up to 10, but it's voted, the nominees are voted on and it has to have a certain percentage of the votes. And if it doesn't happen, that percentage, it doesn't happen. So you could have as little as five uh, like you would normally have, but, or used to normally have, but for the most part, it's been about eight or nine every year. Okay. That makes total sense. Then. So we definitely would love to hear from you guys at home. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com. So let's take a quick break. We'll be back in a moment, and we are going to be talking all about birds of prey, or whatever they're going to be naming it now. Armed with a queer woman's perspective, the Terminus Doctor Who podcast brings you passionate geekery for the world of Doctor Who, covering both the new and classic series. Come check out the Terminus Doctor Who podcast at Terminus.Lipson.com or come look for us on iTunes or your other favorite podcatchers as part of the ESO network. The Terminus Doctor Who podcast. Queer, opinionated, Whovian, female. Hey everybody, Michelle here with the Iconic Rock Talk Show moment, and unfortunately, some bad news for those of you who are fans of the vinyl LP. 
uh, you already know they don't come cheap. And for the foreseeable future, they are going to be really exorbitant if you can find them at all. And the reason for this is there were two companies in the entire world who produced the lacquer, which was used to make the master disc that pressed all the LPs. One was MDC in Japan, and the other was called a mass, Apollo Masters in Banning, California. And on February 6th, a massive fire took out the uh, Apollo Masters factory in California. Um, industry insiders say that these factories were really hard-pressed to meet demand um, before the fire, so it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. Hopefully, um, Apollo Masters can rebuild, and um, there's rumors that another company was going to enter the lacquer market. We'll see what happens, but hold tight for a while, uh, LP fans. It's it's going to be a bumpy ride. I guess in the meantime, Spotify and CDs and lossless files, but hang in there. We'll see what happens. This has been the Iconic Rock Talk Show moment. The blog is iconicrocktalkshow.wordpress.com, and I'll catch you next time. Can I help you? Why, yes, yes, you can. I'm here to report a terrible crime. And what terrible crime is that? This one. Ah, shit. I this all wrong. Quick history lesson. This all started when the Joker and I broke up. It was completely mutual. And soon enough, I was back on my feet, ready to embrace the fierce goddess within. <laughs> it's oh so quiet. Now that I cut ties with Mr. J, I'm about to learn that a lot of people You're want me dead. All alone. And at the top of that list is this guy. I'm so peaceful. Um... But it turns out <laughs> that wasn't the only Damon Gotham looking for emancipation. The kid just robbed him. You betrayed him. You killed his BFF. What? You are so cool. You never. And you're dumb enough to be building a case against him. So, unless we all want to die very unpleasant death, we're going to have to work together. Sure. Psychologically speaking, vengeance rarely brings the catharsis we hope for. Yeah. Are we ready? You blow up, you I named him Bruce after that hunky Wayne guy. <laughs> Welcome back to Earth Station One. We are now ready to talk all about, ready for this, Birds of Prey and the emancipation of Harley Quinn. So let us get into the movie. Mr. Mike, take us away. Yes, we have uh, the, one of the longest titles uh, in recent memory. Um, yeah, because... 
I don't know. I don't know what they were thinking. But um, anyway, it's kind of interesting. Let's start with what we usually do, of course, which is what were your expectations going into this movie? Uh, what were the feelings coming out? Uh, Ashley, we'll start with you. Yeah. So I, even though I was not the biggest fan of Suicide Squad, I really liked Harley Quinn, the character. I thought she was interesting out of all the characters from that movie. I thought she was the most likely candidate to do a spinoff. And um, I had a lot of fun watching Birds of Prey. It was kind of interesting to see characters that I've known so well from like the CW DC Universe shows. So like seeing a different version of some of these characters like Black Canary that I've gotten to know on Arrow and just seeing them in a different way on the big screen. I, I was pretty hyped for the movie going in, and I will say I don't think I loved it quite as much as I was hoping to. Um, I'm having a hard time kind of necessarily figuring out why. Like, I enjoyed it, but it didn't necessarily blow me away as much as I thought it was going to. Um, I liked seeing Harley Quinn a lot, but I wish we could have maybe seen some more of the other side characters. But I'm sure we'll get into more of that as we go along with our discussion here. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I, I agree with a lot of what you said. So um, Alex, what about you? Um, Really didn't have any kind of uh, anticipation for this movie. I really didn't have any uh, kind of thoughts going into the film. It was, uh, in fact, if it hadn't been for an email coming to us, I would have forgotten that it came out this weekend, uh, which is, bad because that shows you just how little they promoted this film um well, speaking of which to that point too yeah. and sorry for interrupting but, no worries. but I, we usually start with you with a like a box office thing and uh, unfortunately the box office is making headlines about this movie yeah um in, in a not good way not in the best way they were expecting a 47 million dollar opening uh so they were thinking just shy of 50 000, uh, 50 mil and the domestic is uh, $33,010,000, um, which is not very strong. And in fact, I actually, uh, when I went to, I went to my theater um, and kind of was asking about, and they were like, yeah, the, the whole weekend was just bad. Um, I saw the movie and there were three of us in the theater. Um, if this movie gets great word of mouth, uh, it'll be a really strong film, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're I think they're going to release this movie, uh, let it do whatever it does, and then cut it loose. Um, the international box office was actually better news for it because it pulled in forty eight million overseas. Hmm. Wow! Um, so it's already got a worldwide box office of eighty one million dollars, uh, which you know honestly, for an opening weekend, not terrible. Um, it's just not great. Um, that being said, that being said, we can take a look back at other films, uh, that had their opening weekends that didn't perform as strong as others expected. I believe the first Captain America did not pull in the strongest of numbers. I think the original Thor did not pull in the strongest of numbers and to have a movie like this rated r on a weekend that's not valentine's weekend because that was when deadpool was released was on valentine's they made it a big deal that you're gonna have a great time at this movie you should take your date to see it 
Um, I think ultimately that may have hurt it. I think it came out at the wrong time of year. I think uh, I think the people who promoted it should be fired um, <laughs> because because really like I think and 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 I think the title is a problem too, and not because it's so long, but because I think the focus on this movie should have been all about uh, Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. Like I think like much like much like Deadpool, much like Logan. Um, it's all centered around the main character. The the publicity is um, and everything associated with it is focused on that main character. And if it had been clear that this was a Harley Quinn movie um, with Margot doing everything she could to promote it as her, her movie, I think it would have done better. I don't know if it would have, I think it would have, probably made up for the the loss of the what 10 12 million it didn't make here yeah um uh so i you know i i i think that was a mistake and i don't think they i i don't i don't want to like point fingers that they didn't do that because it's a woman instead of a man because i don't think that's true no i just don't think they knew what to do with this movie i I just thought they they were yeah they were confused by it yeah, I think part of the issue also on this one, and this is something that happens a great deal, is that we may have had some Oscar curse. Margot Robbie was nominated for Best Supporting Actress. And if she was going to be on television for anything, it was not going to be for Birds of Prey. It was going to be to get people noticing her for her performance in Bombshell. So I wonder if that fell into why we didn't get much in the way of her doing the talk show circuit. Mm-hmm. Well, and then you add to that the fact that Suicide Squad was disappointing. Um, I mean, so so people are going to be like, okay, there's more of that. No thanks. Or I'll just yeah. wait. You know? yeah. out of, and, and, but out of Suicide Squad, though, Mikey, she was the shining point in this. Right. But still, the movie's the movie. And, and let's so let's face it, DC doesn't have, despite the fact that Joker did so well, DC doesn't have like the best record. But I mean, can you imagine, even if they're not related, can you imagine if the publicity people could have like just done a marketing campaign focusing on the fact that like Joker did wonderfully and here comes Harley like next, like even though they're not tied together, you could still kind of make that loose marketing connection. And oh, I yeah. think it would have done like it should have done really well. And you could play off of the whole Joker getting all the Oscar buzz. You could do funny things like Harley kind of right. making fun of that. And I also don't know that they played up the R rating as much. Now, this could be just me, but I had either forgotten or I didn't know it was R rated until I bought my ticket. So, um, yeah. How did you, were you able to buy a ticket? I know. So did I, you get in okay? I had to, did you need a guardian? I had to sneak in. I went with, in with one of my friends. We did the whole trench coat thing as you know, two people pretend to be an adult. So. Oh, I like that. Who got to wear the fedora? So that was anyway. me. So. <laughs> okay. I, I just want to know who was on top. And who yeah. was on well, if she was wearing the fedora. She was on top. <laughs> but yeah. So um, I feel like Deadpool and Logan did a lot with their R rating, letting people know this is a different type of superhero movie. Like Logan's going to be violent and Deadpool's going to be edgy. So I feel like maybe they didn't do enough to differentiate what this film was. And I think like uh, Mike, you said they just didn't really know what to do with it in terms of marketing. And then the audience maybe didn't know what to do with it either. Yeah. This was a movie that definitely got its R rating simply because of the language. 
Um, oh, and um, one guy getting his head squashed with a mallet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I really think uh, um, this one was a film that. I mean, I hate saying it, but I think it would have been stronger a film in a PG thirteen. Or if they had upped the R range, uh, like you know, like made it like, you know, and I'm not saying it should have been, you know, a copy of Deadpool, but I mean Harley with Harley, you can get away with a lot, and she does break the the fourth wall a lot. Like you can do a lot of fun stuff with her, and I don't think this movie does does her that service as much. I as wanted it. to ask all three of you about that. I was watching the movie almost by myself. And there was a moment where, most where, of us did. Yeah. <laughs> where, where there was a moment where she was breaking the fourth wall and my mind clicked to one thing, Lori Petty in tank girl. Hmm. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Did anybody, am I the only one that got really that kind of vibe from this movie? Uh, no, but now that you mention it, um, I can see it. You can, can kind of see it. it, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think that's where, you know, part of the issue for me came because again, Tank Girl, not very strong at the box office either. Um, and I, I wonder if I wonder if this was a movie that would have been better served to be released on the DC Universe app. Mm. Well, you're spending a lot of money and 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 look, I think it's Margot can carry a movie. That's Margot absolutely movie. can carry a movie and, she, and Harley she Quinn car- can be she, a- in fact she carries this movie. Yeah, um, she has to. So, so, and yeah, let's let's talk about like the movie itself. Um, yeah. Like, so coming out, um, Alex, what yeah. what's your overview? My overview is that this movie is really quite entertaining for a small screen. Mm. Um, I am, I am in a huge minority. Ewan McGregor has done one good movie, in my opinion, and that was Big Fish. Um, and in that one, he's playing Albert Finney. So, I mean, it's not like he's even getting the opportunity to grow. He's doing an impersonation. Um, I just don't find McGregor entertaining at all. And in this one, I don't feel like he was acting. He was no. screaming and throwing temper tantrums the entire time. So his normal state. I don't so his normal state. Yeah. But and if he had been like like there's a moment which he's watching uh cuz he's playing black mask and, and his 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 you know Is right he? hand stooge well okay so he he wore a black mask and um once. he's it once um no it, it was shown twice in the movie though shown twice um, only one once only one once um <laughs> but there's a moment in which he's sitting there and you know his 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 second in command who i honestly thought was a much better villain um, and oh, I kind of thought, ooh, is he going to usurp him? Is that what's going to happen? Because that would be an awesome twist. And I'm prepared for that. But um, instead, what we, we got was, you know, there, there was a moment where he was cutting his, uh, where he was cutting a guy's face off. And McGregor walks out afterwards and, like, wipes a little bit off of his face. Um, and does it rather flippantly. Um, and it wasn't a case to me where I felt like, oh, he's, you know, he's got a little schmutz on him. Um, from the horrific massacre that's just taken place. Um, but rather, I would have liked to maybe seen the characteristic that we got from uh, Samuel L. Jackson in Kingsman. Yeah. Mm. Which just doesn't like the blood portion. Um, or if we'd been given a real reason why he was a nutbag. Um, the, the sequence in which he's yelling because the girl was laughing. 
Uh, that's great. That, that's great. If you're the Joker. Well, that's that's the and that makes a. I I, I was going to mention this, but Black Max Black Mask in those in the comics is yeah. not a Joker wannabe. Um, but in no, this, in in uh, this, he is, and uh-huh. and he comes up, you know, dangerously short of of like being like you know he's one note. He's written as one note, and uh, you know, there's nothing. I think I think Ewan tries to do something with it, but it's just what it's was flat. he doing? Well, I mean, I think the material there is not something that's really you can do much. I don't think he's got a lot of leeway. Um, you know, and and uh, you know, obviously, uh, mileage may vary, but I thought at times he he worked with the material he had, and it was it was fine. Certainly, I think his presence is enough that it should have been uh, a strong opponent for uh, Harley, played by Roby. But I just he just didn't get the opportunity to, and and uh, I think I'll, you know I, I think to me I've always said it. A hero's uh, journey is only as good as uh, the villain, and when the villain's weak, it it really like undermines the whole story, mm-hmm. and and that's what happens here. Like as good as Margot's doing, and as good as some of the other characters are, they just don't have a solid uh, villain to go up against. Yeah. Um, or if they even played that off like if she had been attracted to him like she's falling into that trap again or something like that but they don't do that they just kind of they don't do anything with it um and which is unfortunate but but mike what about you what uh what were your feelings in and out in and out in and out um i was gonna go in thinking all right i like the character i like the actress i walked out saying wow that was a waste of time Ooh, okay. And I was just like literally I was on my I started playing around on my phone within twenty-five minutes into the movie. Ouch. And Ouch. I was in the movie theater with within with like I think there was five other people in the theater with me. Over half of them were on their phones the whole time. Mm. And it was it was just not it was not a great movie. I think this is probably for me one of the weakest DC movies I've seen. Wow, that's saying something. And, Have you not uh, seen Suicide Squad? <laughs> I saw I saw Suicide Squad, and I still say it. Um, I loved Harley in this. Um, I liked uh, Kathy Kane; was awesome. Uh, Huntress was Sandra. away. Cassandra, yeah. Um, I liked. Hmm, it's I liked Black Canary. She was awesome. Black Canary I, was very strong in this yes. film. She she was her and Harley were the two strongest characters. Agreed. And and two, I, two strongest performers. Yes. I don't feel like they gave enough for Black Canary to be a, a fully fleshed out. Character. Oh, I cheered when she did the Canary scream. Oh yeah, they and, they gave her more than they gave uh, Huntress or oh, uh, who Renee. is well, the, the actress they had playing Huntress was horrible. You know, I, no, they just didn't give her anything to do. No, I thought she I, was lovely. I thought no, she. It was like she couldn't. She was like all shaky, and she was. No, I didn't. I did not believe that she was Huntress, and I don't know if it was because a I read the comics and I know Huntress's character, or b what they did with her on Arrow, but this character was horrible. 
She was I much think, more like the crossbow killer to me. Yeah. I think the, the character is written poorly. I don't blame the actress because the choice yeah. that she made, because I loved her and uh, she plays Ramona Flowers, the, the girl of uh, you know Scott Pilgrim's dreams. And oh, I know, and, and, I know, and, and that's so she's horrible. Done, she's done great things, but um, but this is not one of them. No, yeah, this, I is was not, just, this is not one of her shining moments. Uh, Renee was Matoya. I believed the character i so wish she, they would have made her into the question i so wish they would have right. in this but you know i just i just thought it was just like meh you know this just the story it just you know them jumping around and going throughout it was just i was just kept on going Okay. There, there wasn't really much of a story. No, there wasn't. Um, what, and that what, was what you thing. had was a yeah. What you had was a bunch of people wanting to kill Carly because she was no longer dating the Joker. This is the same problem, by the way, that I had uh, with uh, uh, Far From Home, the Spider-Man movie. Oh, I was because like, it was a, I, no, no, the, yeah, the Avengers of Yellow Dog. That's what I was, I was, like, no. I was like. Going, Whoa, dude! <laughs> no, the moment Yellow Dog breaks up with the Joker, and then suddenly, no. Um, my problem with the movie is that this isn't a Harley Quinn movie. This is a, and it should be. This is a what happens if you um, leave the Joker movie. This is a mm. Joker movie, and it's the same problem that I had with Spider Man Far From Home. Spider Man Far From Home is not a Spider Man movie. It's another Iron Man movie because even in death, I'm the hero. I, I get your point, uh, but I do think, I mean, the title's right there. The anticipation yeah. of one Harley Quinn. So obviously- As opposed movie, to two Harley Quinns as, and uh, a hyena. Well, you know, um, we've seen many Jokers. So, um, yes. uh, um, and she's not the first actress to play uh, live action Harley. So- yeah. Yeah. Um, the uh, it's weird for me to think though. Out of all these, like I mean, uh, Black Canary, I've probably seen. Maybe she's this. She's like the fifth woman to play her. So, um, yeah, it's weird the way. This is. I enjoyed the movie. I enjoyed the movie, uh, but it was much like it was like eating candy. You know, it was like a nice like sugar high. Uh, the fight sequences are amazing in this movie. I think. Um, we finally get to see Harley use a bat, like in a way that I thought like, okay, now I understand why she carries that because that, um, that sequence where she has the bat. And then later on when she has the, the, the hammer, um, I thought were like, that's her using her tools. Like you want to make sure that she uses her iconic tools very well. And I thought those were, I thought those were well done. Um, but yes, there's a lot of, and I, I don't mind the scatterbrainness of the story because it's told from her perspective. So there's, should be allows for that. Only it didn't take it extreme enough. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it wasn't as extreme as we've seen Harley can be. I'm like saying, I don't want another Deadpool clone, but yet you've got a character here that is just out there. And, and uh, she could have easily been another Deadpool in this movie, but she wasn't. And I think right. that's what they were trying to go for completely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, obviously, and I do think, look, I mean, look, I give Margot tons of credit because I love it when a actor, actress 
get so invested in a character, particularly a comic character, that they take ownership. Uh, we yeah. saw it with Hugh Jackman. We've seen it with, you know, almost of the Marvel folks. Uh, you know, we've seen it with, um, uh, uh, well, with Arrow, you know, on TV. Like, there's just like, um, you know, they take ownership. And right after, you know, it, despite the fact that Suicide, didn't, Suicide Squad didn't do well or wasn't well received or whatever, she said she was on board. She was on board to do a Harley movie. She wanted to make it clear that it should have been with other characters and diverse characters and you know a and a you know women empowerment movie that kind of thing with the woman director woman writer all that kind of stuff and she got it done like she put a she invested a lot into this and i give her a lot of credit and she is harley quinn to me when she's on the screen uh she is uh as far as live action goes uh she's the embodiment i don't know i don't want anybody else as harley um and yet the rest of it, like, you know, I don't like the idea of just taking characters that are in DC just in using name only. I don't care for that. Like, so, so, you know, you got Black Mask, but he doesn't act at all like Black Mask. In fact, there's no reason for him to wear the Black Mask. Like, like when he puts it on at the end, I'm kind of like, why is he doing this? Like, yeah. I don't under, like, it, it didn't make any sense to me. So, I thought that was a drop. Uh, also, Cassandra Kane, I love that character in the comics. And even though the girl was great, she's not Cassandra Kane. It's just mm. only Cassandra Kane and name only. Um, so I don't really care for them doing that. I think that kind of, to me, as a fanboy, as a DC fanboy, kind of hurts the film as well because there's too many um with characters that they shouldn't have just treated like oh we'll just use the name because that's a great ip yeah um i like how she did have the hyena named bruce <laughs> well that's yeah and there's a lot like there's a lot taken from uh the palmiati run uh palmiati amanda connor run of harley including the the roller derby scenes as well as uh, uh the beaver which i don't think was explained well enough um and uh because it just seemed like a weird prop that came out of nowhere um and and the hyena which was uh which was great yeah the beaver was confusing as hell to me yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah i think it and and i'm like oh man like it's just like yeah it's just it's just one of those things um but um as far as any other characters for you ashley that kind of uh, rose above the material or you know kind of uh you like you loved seeing here i did really like um black canary i thought it was a good performance and a cool kind of use of the character i wanted more from the character more to see her powers i was kind of thinking that these heroes or anti-heroes whatever would end up teaming up sooner in the film and that we get to see them interact more together so it almost felt like that part was too short so you didn't even really get to buy their dynamic quite as much but um i would like to see more of her and her take and um overall i feel like it's just i like the analogy like it's like eating a sugary candy it's like eating cotton candy it's entertaining but there's not a lot of substance to it and i think it's a shame because this could have still very easily been a wild crazy fun movie but had just a little bit more depth to it like maybe really dig into how harley's trying to work with black mask who kind of 
reminds her of the Joker and dig into all of that psychological stuff and kind of tie it into more of what's going on in her headspace. And I think there was, it feels like there were some missed opportunities here too, with just a little extra work. The film could have been really great. I feel like. Yeah. I love the idea um, of the fact that Harley has like a, a free pass to do whatever she wants. Yeah. Because as long as she's with the Joker, but once she cuts that tie, like then all of a sudden, like everything's coming back. I, I kind of like that idea. Um, and seeing her overcome that to become her own threat so that people are afraid of her, you know, like, and then her ending up with a kid at the end just didn't make sense to me at all. No. Yeah. Her, her of, course it, of course. Yeah. Of course it made sense. Deadpool got one at the end of Deadpool 2. Oh. <laughs> um, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing... Because uh, Harley's supposed to be in the next Suicide Squad movie, right? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So we're not, and it's also supposed to be R. Yeah, well, that's fine. I mean, that's that's James Gunn. I'm not worried about that movie at all. Uh, <laughs> that, guy, that guy knows how to write, like, zaniness and and something underneath right like i think that's what was missing here was there was nothing underneath the 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 candy coating no um i we've we've heard me use the phrase on here before this is a funnel cake movie um this is this is a movie that you'll probably enjoy as you're ingesting it and when you come out you'll go well there was nothing there that's exactly how i felt after i left it yeah so like cotton candy funnel cake it's a it's a carnival film Plus, I needed to take my insulin shot. So. No, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I almost went, should I tell them the sound was off or something at the movie theater? Or is that like, just to get money back? Man, yeah, you really didn't like it. I, no. I didn't pay and I wanted my money back. No. Wow. Um, it's, no, it, it, it was what it was. It was a February release. Um, this is not a movie that's going to turn heads. This is not a movie that's going to make people go, wow. And Honestly, the reviews coming out of the film, uh, the Metacritic score is very high. The reviews, uh, both critically and uh, the fan uh, walkout after uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, is extremely high. This is a movie that, if it gets good word of mouth, and you know, I think all of us are in agreement that uh, you know, Mikey not liking it uh, is one thing. I think it really was devoid of having enough time to develop all the characters. Mm-hmm. I honestly think that if this movie was 20 minutes longer and had really given us a chance to learn more about, you know, like Montoya's character is very basic. Yeah. Um, and they get away with it by saying she's just like every movie cop. Yeah. Oh, exactly. I seen. felt like I was watching a seventies, you know, cop show. Yeah. Well, you're and, supposed to, I mean, you're yeah. Supposed to, yeah, they're yeah. definitely playing on that. Um, but if we'd gotten more from Huntress, uh, who I didn't even recognize, I did not even realize that's who that was. Um, no, I didn't or, in, until you said it, Mike. I was like, yeah, because I thought she was gorgeous. And oh, yeah, you know, yeah, I'm, Scott I'm, Pilgrim, like, you know. Um, but I, I, there were things that I enjoyed. There were there were quirks that each of the characters had that would have been nice to kind of get more out of. I like the fact that Huntress, while being an amazingly skilled, uh, uh uh, 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 assassin was genuinely a social cripple and yeah. and did not know how to introduce herself, did not know how to properly 
um, take care of herself uh, emotionally. And the whole thing with the joke of the, you know, everybody's calling her the crossbow killer. Yeah. And then she wants to be called Huntress. Man, that joke just fell flat to me. Very. Mm-hmm. Completely. Very. Like, it didn't work for me at all. Yeah. Um, and, you know, this is a movie where it's supposed to be, I mean, it should be light. Like, well, let me ask you this. I mean, we just came last year, and I think all of us, well, Ashley, you were, you didn't, I don't know if you, you still haven't seen Joker. Right? I have not. Okay. So, but Joker's really different. It's really grim, really grim. Uh, but, um, you know, um, obviously it's doing really well. Um, so you've got now Joker and now with, uh, and really this movie should have been called Harley Quinn to begin with. It shouldn't have been called Birds of Prey. That's a, that's a not really, yeah, that doesn't make sense. Um, and, uh, but you've got two movies here that are focused on uh, villains. They're not even, I don't even think you can call them anti-heroes. I mean, uh, Harley goes into a police station and even though she's using like non-lethal artillery, uh, I think, um, so I don't think she actually quote unquote kills any cops. Man, some of them look like, um, yeah, they should, they're probably wishing they were dead. Um, But it, you know, are we supposed to be rooting for these characters or, you know, I mean, is that, is that like a trend that we're going to see? Like, cause you know, Deadpool's an anti-hero. He's never, I mean, he's kind of been a bad guy, but that was early on and he's not considered a bad guy anymore. It hasn't been for decades. Um, same thing with Logan. Logan's a hero. He might be like this really, uh, you know, nasty hero, same with the Punisher, that kind of thing. But Joker and I mean, Say what you will about the Marvel movies, they haven't made a movie about a like an absolute. I mean, starring like a villain now Thanos. Venom. That's not. Well, that's not them. That's not uh, the MCU. That's, that's not MCU. Okay, fair enough. Plus, I don't think Venom was considered a villain in his movie. I don't think they were treating him like that. I didn't see it. So no, they 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 weren't. But again, it's like I, I see your point. I mean, we're we're not going to come along and and see you know coming this fall, Leonardo DiCaprio is Dr. Doom. You know, we're not going to see, you know, we're, we're not going to, although to put that man behind another iron mask would be hysterical to me. Um, I just, you know, you're right. Marvel gives us, it, it's funny because it, for a, a universe that's grounded more in realism, um, he says, knowing that there were two, three Thor movies, um, we are talking about a universe that it's while it's more grounded, it doesn't do the blurred lines of gray that we see in the DC universe, uh, extended or otherwise. Um, one of my big complaints on Joker was the fact that it tried to give us a reason why he was like this. We have always seen uh, Harley as a tragic figure. She fell in love with the worst possible guy. And ultimately that affected everything. But even in the animated series, when we first see her, yes, she's doing bad things, but she's not a villain. And in fact, the Joker gets mad at her one time when she actually captures Batman. And she's able to do something that he couldn't do. Um, so I think 
in the long run, we we don't. There's no reason for us to cheer the villain. I think in the case of Harley, she's not considered a villain. She's considered a tragically flawed hero. Um, and in this one, when she teams up with the with the uh, with with the rest of the birds of prey, it's put together not as a you know together we can be amazing. It's together we can live. So I don't know if I don't know if she learns a lesson at the end of the movie that get, puts her on a hero's journey or not. Uh, especially when it considers the fact that the rest of the group does team up. And does become the aforementioned right. birds of prey, right? But she's and not interested she, in that. Yeah, so she calls them the goody douchebags into a life of of crimeish. <laughs> crimeish, I like it. <laughs> no mercenary. She's a mercenary. Yes, just... she yeah, she's oh yeah. I mean, the scribble on her business card, right? She's she's all that stuff. So, mm-hmm. but I mean, I mean, she. She's not like a, yeah, she's not a, and she's never been a, a villain of, you know, like um, a mustache twirling kind of, I've got a fiendish plot kind of villain. But, you know, I mean, even in this movie, it's not someone that, you know, you should feel comfortable in a room with. Oh, God, no. Not unless you want broken bones. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think, I think the movie kind of fails at that too. I mean, if this is R rated, they really should have made her like more dangerous like like there's an appeal there i mean that's the whole thing that's the reason why she fell in love with the joker right it was because even though he's a a madman and very dangerous one of the like the most dangerous men on the planet like he's charming he's got a presence that she like, has a weakness for charisma yes among other things, I mean, she also has that, you know, Florence Nightingale, I think I can help him. I think I can mm-hmm. cure him. I can think I can be the one to find out what makes him tick. You know? I can fix the bad boy. I can. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. And-, and that was kind of interesting because she would blurt out, you know, very smart things at different times. It was like you could see where she was a, you know, basically a therapist or, you know, psychologist. Right. And right. Stuff. She can understand where people were coming from. Like she can understand people and that's her strength. Like she can work them, she can work against them, that against them, right? Cuz she knows what they're going to do and why they do things. Um and I thought that was, you know, that part of Harleen Quinzel was was used well, but I think yeah, when you've got uh I mean she's just depicted in the beginning as being a party girl, really more than anything else. Um, a little bit, a little bit dangerous because she, you know, obviously you don't want to mess with her. But uh, yeah, I think they, they, you know, this should have been her movie, and I'm not saying that she shouldn't have shared it with some other folks, but uh, I think the focus should have been more on her, and and like I said, in that journey at the end should have been where you know people are, people are more afraid of her, almost you know to the point where. Can you imagine if we had a movie where, like, at the end, people are like, you know, like, like giving the Joker a free pass because of he's with, like, he was with Harley, you know, or something like that, you know, like, it could have been, I think the lack of Joker in this, because they mention him, 
you see some clips from Suicide Squad, but that's it. I know he he can overshadow something, but you know, not having that kind of final moment at the end, uh, I think is you know leaves a question as to whether or not they could be back together. Yeah, I. It's it's interesting in looking at, at certain aspects of this film. Um, would this movie have been better with an appearance by the Joker? Um, of some kind, maybe? Well, to your point, Alex, but, maybe it wouldn't have because you think, I mean, you said that he's already in this already. He's already in this. I mean, he's the main focal point. Right. And one of the interesting things in that regard is that there was a moment in which Cassandra Kane doesn't know who he is. He's Gotham City's number one villain, and he's never been heard of by her. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. Ah, kids there, today. Yeah. There, was only one, there was only one bringing up of Batman this whole movie. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know. <laughs> I was kind of like thinking, I'm like, this is Gotham. Like, all this is going down. Like, where is Batman? But with, <laughs> but with the exception of Amusement Mile, it all took place during the day. True. That's true. Yeah, good point there. He was asleep. Yeah. Sleeping. He was yeah. asleep in business meetings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So I think uh, it's been established that she is going to return as Harley in the next um, Suicide Squad movie. Um, good thing? Bad thing? Is that uh, you want to keep seeing uh, Harley Quinn adventures uh, in some kind with uh, Margot? Ashley? I would say yes, definitely. Um, I think she is just too perfect for this role. She really cares about the character and puts a lot of herself into it. I'm thinking that third time might actually be the charm here just because I'm super excited about James Gunn writing and directing. I think he really gets casts of like complex, dysfunctional kind of heroes, kind of villains. And I'm really excited to see what he can do with her character and in terms of an ensemble. So I'm really hopeful that um, he can kind of take a lot of the good things and um, she can too as a performer and just bring it all together. So I, even though I didn't love the first Suicide Squad movie, I'm actually really excited for this reboot. And I think this might be just what we really want to see from her and from the rest of these characters. Yeah. Uh, I think you're, yeah. I, might be one of those things where, I mean, look, I mean, as much as we all love Hugh Jackman as Logan slash Wolverine, some of those uh, solo movies were not great. Um, I would even suggest that at least one of them is not as good as this movie. Yes. Wow. <laughs> I think I know what that's one a, you're referring to, and yes. That's, that's, a, that's a bold thing to say about the movie Logan, but okay. Um, Wait, there were other ones besides Logan? <laughs> <laughs> so some characters work a little bit better uh, on a team, maybe. Um, or at least when they have better creators handling them, I think. Uh, Alex, what about you? Are you uh, interested in, in seeing more of uh, Harley? I'd like to see the character succeed. I don't know if the character is strong enough to be on the big screen, at least not as the lead. Um, It was funny, the previews before the movie, 
uh, I got to see, uh, uh, I got to once again, see the preview for wonder woman, 1984. Mm. And I got to see the woman for black widow. Yeah. We saw the one for black widow, but not, wonder yeah. woman, which is weird. My, like- my only thought during that whole thing was, man, if this movie tanks, those movies are in trouble. Um, because that's what the focus is going to be on. It's about, Ooh, do we really need a, a female lead superhero? Yes. Yes, we do. Um, I don't know how, I mean, you have to have faith in, in James Gunn. I don't think that Will Smith is back. No, it's uh, Idris Elba. Yeah. Um, which should be fine. Cause it means that it, we won't get Will Smith's character being completely rewritten for Will Smith. Um, which just happens on every one of his movies. So I, um, I don't know. I, I, I'm sure that the, the suicide squad movie will be um, released. Um, and it, it may be, it may be great. It may be bad. And maybe we shouldn't be, focusing on the villains for every film so mike what about you now this i mean yeah you came out of this i think uh in fact uh the fact that you said that batman was only mentioned once made me uh definitely confirm that you did not stay for the end credits oh i did uh, through the end credits (laughs) because he's mentioned there too Okay, twice. Stick <laughs> around. Yeah, exactly. But you know, out of the five, out of the five people who was in the theater with me, it was only myself and one other person at the end of the credits. It was just you know. And do I want to see Margot back as Harley? Yes, I do. But you know, not headlining like this. I think, you know, maybe a suicide squad or some other way. But, you know, I don't, and I don't think any of the actresses that were in this movie were strong enough to keep up with her. No, there's a big jump down, I think. I mean, there's Harley. And then I think in terms of presence, not character, but in terms of just presence alone, I have to give it to Ewan McGregor. And then there's some, and then there's like space bar, space bar, space bar. And there's like everybody else. Mm-hmm. Kind of. And even, you know, Ewan was, you know, phoning it in, in this one. So. I don't think that, I think, I think he was maybe working too hard to try to make something out of this that just wasn't, it just wasn't meant to be. <laughs> like, well, you I can mean, only put so much lipstick on a pig, my friend. <laughs> that's, that's true. Yeah. So I'm sure. I'm sure or a hyena. Well, exactly. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Um, well, I definitely want to see her back. Um, uh, you know, I think, she, like I said, I think she owns that role. To me, it's hers to lose, really, because uh, if she wants to continue to play her, you know, as long as she wants to, I'm fine with that. Um, because I think she's she's not the problem. Um, I think that, you know, and I would even say I'd like to see another standalone movie with her but it needs to be written by better people. It needs to be written by people who get it. Um, there's a lot to like about this movie. There's some individual scenes and some moments that are fun. Uh, but, you know, I think overall it's, it's not written well. I thought, like I said, I thought the action scenes were directed very well. Uh, Kathy Ann was, was great uh, as a director. And I hope, you know, 
those people who kind of think that women can't direct like action movies need to see the the third episode of Mandalorian and this. And that's all. If they can't, if they're not, um, not to mention Wonder Woman, but if that's not enough for them, then I don't, I, you know, you can't, you can't. Well, there was plenty of action in this. I'm not saying that at all. And it was very well choreographed. I liked a lot of the fighting scenes, but it was just like, if they were trying to say this is like almost like very cartoony, they succeeded. But well, but not enough because no. you know what would have been perfect during the, the the big scene at the end, the big battle. I really wanted to see like cartoon, like bam, boof, pow, boof, like that would have been perfect for that scene. Well, that would have been but, fantastic. Or, yeah, I would have it? loved to, them to pull her sledgehammer out from somewhere, you know, or something. Yeah. Well, she did. Uh, uh, no, it was but, a baseball uh, bat. At the they end, a, it was it was the hammer. They have a, they have a brief moment in which they ask how she had time to change her shoes. Yes, yeah. uh, and and that was cute, but it's such a throwaway line. If you're not paying close enough attention, you will miss it. Yeah, mm, I exactly. think they should have. You know, we we talked about maybe things are not intended to be camp or whatever. Yeah. This should have been leaning more towards that. I think. All right, just uh, go absolutely crazy, just like no holds barred and just yes. throw as much wacky stuff at the screen as you can. And I think here it would have worked. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, all right. So I think we've, we've talked about it. Um, do we want to rate it? We want to go around the room. Is it, uh, is it solid enough to rate uh, Ashley scale of one to five? I think I'm going to give it a three, which kind of bumps me out a little bit. I was really looking forward to this one, especially being like a female superhero film, but I think as we've kind of talked about, I just don't feel like the script was strong enough, which really is a shame. But um, again, I hope that we'll get to see this character again in the next Suicide Squad in that um, that that one will hopefully maybe have a little bit stronger story to go along with the character. Awesome. Awesome. Alex? Yeah, it's a, it's a disappointing three. Uh, for me as well. It is Funnel Cake Entertainment. It is there enough to be there. Um, and I feel like the movie could have used an extra 20 minutes. Um, mm. I, I I liked some, there was some things I liked about season it. Season one of yeah. Birds of Prey. <laughs> season one the Birds of Prey. And I do feel that I, I realize it, it could be considered a step back, but let's face it. Mandalorian did pretty good on on Marvel. I think you could probably do an eight episode series called Birds of Prey and really have expanded this. Sure. Mm-hmm. sure, sure. Mike, I'm trying to re- remember what I gave Green Lantern. So. Oh, oh. <laughs> so I'm going to give this a solid two, and that's being very generous. I was actually even thinking about a one. Mm-hmm. So I didn't like it. And I'm not surprised it's not doing well, but I wanted to see more from the character and I feel bad for the actress because she did a great job as Harley. Yeah. And, and on that note, uh, I'll give it a three and a half. I'll give it that extra half just because of, of Marco's performance. Like this is a mediocre movie, but she makes it worth watching uh, to me. Like, Fortunately, she's in it. She's in a lot of it, uh, like almost every scene. So I don't mind watching her for a couple hours. Um, 
when she's not on the screen, it really dips low. Um, so uh, it's not, like I said, the problem's not with her. Um, and so three and a half for me on that. So, all right. Well, thanks, team. Uh, looks like DC's got their work cut out for them. Uh, so hopefully the next DC you EU movie that we see uh, this year will be much better. Um, oh God, it has to be. <laughs> it's, it's, it's Wonder Woman, so it will. Yes, be. that's right. All right, so uh, yeah, that's it for this review, and we will be right back with the ESO Network. Con. Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this geek girl is talking about the last half of The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina Season 3. So, the third season started off really good. It was a good pace, introducing all these new characters for the new season. Then, it turned into a whirly wheel of a season. I feel as though the writers realized they had four episodes to finish up all the storylines they created, and then they hit it into high gear. The story flew by. We see the pagans, who seem very overpowered for a group that was mostly killed off, send the witches of the church at night into hiding. We see Lucifer get his own form back. Sabrina finds the remaining two artifacts to win the throne. Yet she actually loses the last artifact to Caliban, who tricks her again. He wins, loses hell to the archangels, the pagans take over the earth, and Sabrina is woken up by herself, who has time-traveled into the future to stop Sabrina from being tricked by Caliban so the world doesn't basically end because of the pagans. Yeah, that all happened in four episodes. So Sabrina then goes to fix the future because all her friends die by the pagans or Father Blackwood's hands. And the only person who survived all of this was Ambrose, who helps Sabrina figure out how to time travel back to change everything, which... She does, and in turn doesn't seal the past Sabrina in the timeline and lets her stay so that she can be a teenager and that Sabrina can take over Hell and be the Queen of Hell. So now we have two Sabrinas, which this can't go very good for Sabrina in Season 4. Not at all, because now I'm worried. But we see the Spellman family back. Father Blackwood has taken the twins and one of the weird sisters with him and has released an elder god into the world. The pagans are gone and everything seems to be back to normal for, you know, as normal as it can be for these characters. Like I said, the ending of the season was a whirlwind. And I'm also wondering if they will actually use Caliban again, since they built up this character so much and we barely got a payoff for him. So we'll see what we get next season, I guess. Well, thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. Everyone these days could use a little support, and your friends at the ESO Network are no different. With the ESO Network Patreon, the cool thing is, is when you help support us, it's you who will benefit. With four tiers starting for as little as 25 cents a week, you can listen to some of your favorite network podcasts early, hear exclusive content, maybe get some ESO swag, or even possibly take a shot at the geek seat. All you need to do is sign up at patreon.com backslash ESO Network. For the week of February 14th, 2020, it's the ESO Network Con Report. Con! Con! 
Well, convention season is almost really getting heated up. Uh, we have got some conventions coming up. As a matter of fact, my first convention, official convention of the year, uh, is coming up in less than a month. It is in Uhele. It is uh, March 6th to the 8th. We've got our good friend Jonathan here to tell us all about it. Jonathan, thanks for coming in. Thanks for coming to the station. And I know you guys just had a a huge tiki tour weekend where you guys actually experienced some snow. Yeah, so Inuhele is Atlanta's tiki weekend. Uh, That is the convention I run with my wife, Allison. Uh, We also design tiki mugs as horror in clay uh, and have a subscription box called Mug Crate. So we're way into the tiki and Polynesian pop subculture. Um, one of the things, uh, that prompted us to start our own convention was we started having a, uh, renting a bus and visiting different home bars around Atlanta. Um, and that was so much fun that we decided, uh, let's, let's take the, the 60 people we can get on a bus, uh, and invite a bunch of other people and artists and vendors and hula dancers and surf rock guitarists and, uh, ukulele fiends all into one place. Uh, give them a bunch of uh, uh, exotic cocktails and artists and speakers and see what happens. Um, this will be our second year doing it. We are moving. Those of you that are uh, familiar with Dragon Con know the Sheraton. So, you know, they've got a lovely indoor lagoon shaped pool with tropical plantings all around. Uh, they have the longest bar in Midtown, I found out. Um, and not only is it the longest bar in Really? Uh, they, uh, another guy out of a uh, spite, because apparently this is what hoteliers uh, do, built a longer bar. And when he did that, they went and, uh, and you'll notice this feature. Uh, the owner of the Sheraton, not to be outdone, added another like 30 feet to the bar. Um, and he added it in a serpentine uh, track to maximize how much... Uh, additional footage they could get that's crazy i don't even i didn't know that either i've been going to the Sheridan. i mean you know for dragon con decades now and i where is that located is that that's not on near the pool area is it no it's one level up okay gotcha gotcha yeah, right. it looks out into the the central area but it's one level up gotcha all right so we're moving venues uh yep. because a the sheridan is cool B, it's got a great lagoon pool area. And I think the most important thing is it's within staggering distance of Trader Vic's. And you are correct, sir. <laughs> it, is, um, it is an easy uh, stagger down to Trader Vic's. Um, and Atlanta, we're, we're very lucky. We've got one of two uh, Trader Vic's left in the U.S. Uh, this was the last one that Victor Bergeron himself uh, decorated and designed. And partially because of that, um, we're going to have uh, his granddaughter, Eve Bergeron, come tell us about the art of Trader Vic. Oh, very convention. cool. Uh, some other uh, speakers of note, if you uh, collect mid-century furniture and art, uh, there was a company that was very famous called Whitco. Um, and Whitco uh, had showrooms all over the U.S., they sold uh, tiki-themed furniture, but also Nordic and Viking and uh, conquistador-themed furniture. Um, but we've got uh, William uh, Westernhaver's granddaughter and husband who learned to carve from him flying from uh, uh, the West Coast to come tell us about uh, Whitco Furniture. Uh, we have Sven uh, Kirsten, who is literally the man who wrote the Book of Tiki. 
Yes. Also the art of Tiki and the music of Tiki. Um, uh, and uh, several other uh, art history works about uh, Polynesian pop culture coming to Tiki tiki it up with us and uh, uh, give a presentation and slideshow on his tour uh, through the Marquesas Islands. Wow. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's, he's a very big speaker in California. He does not make it to the East Coast very much. Um, I think the last time he was on the East Coast was 2012. Uh, so we're very excited to bring him. Um, and, and on top of that, we've and artists from literally all over the country, um, Florida, California, Seattle, Chicago, New York, the Midwest. Um, uh, it's going to be a huge uh, vendor and art room. Uh, we've got a, a tip, what we call tipsy crafting, which is a panel of crafting uh, uh, tracks, uh, largely aimed at recreating uh, either things that you can, techniques you can use uh, when perfecting your own personal tiki bar or um, things that you can use to revive mid-century crafts like um, uh, the art of crafting crepe paper flowers for decor and for uh, hair, uh, hairstyles. Um, we've got um, uh, bands like uh, the Mystery Men, uh, When Ukuleles Attack. I know you love When Ukuleles Attack. I do, and the Mystery Men. They're two amazing uh, acts. And uh, we've got the uh, the Manacoras, which is a super group um, composed of members of other uh, famous touring surf rock bands uh, who are getting getting together. Um, uh, they played at. Uh, um, Southern Surf Stomp Fest, and they had such a good time, they're going to come back out. Um, so just a lot of uh, uh, a lot of fun things. Unlike uh, a lot of tiki conventions, this one is structured more like a fan convention. And what I mean by that is instead of um, having uh, sort of an a la carte menu where you pay like $30 to go to this symposium or like 20 to go to this one or this one. Um, we're structuring it more like a fan convention where the one $85 ticket price gets you access to the crafting track, all the concerts, three different panel, uh, three different tracks of panels. Um, and uh, we, we tried to keep the add-ons to a minimum. Uh, which is uh, how it's, it's just what we're used to because we're used to the Atlanta pop culture convention scene and, and uh, that's that's how we wanted to do it. Uh, we will be having, just like last year, we will be having buses that run from the hotel uh, to Tiki Tango and to SOS Tiki Bar. Uh, we're not going to run one to Trader Vic's because, as we said, it's, it's uh, walking distance. <laughs> Yeah, some of us are going to put that to the test, I'm sure. On the way back, certainly. Um, we'll, have <laughs> our, uh, we'll have our Lava Lava review, uh, which is our talent And after the, uh, the, the talent show, people are going to uh, do a conga all the way over to uh, Luau at Trader Vic's on Saturday. So we are really going to put that to a test. Uh, Allison and I uh, put together a present for you guys and for your uh, listeners. Um, anyone uh, that buys their Inuhele ticket 
um, before end of day, Monday the 21st, using the code FRIEND2020, uh, we'll receive $10 off the $85 ticket price. That is awesome. That's awesome. Awesome. Uh, definitely spread the word so people can take advantage of that because yes, this was that it was hard to believe that last year ran, at least from my perspective, ran so smoothly. It was hard to believe that that was uh, your first attempt at, at a, at a weekend uh, sort of convention type setting. Um, and it looks like this year you guys have doubled down. It's even like more, uh, like more better. So, you know, like, like, uh, uh, the, 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 the venue is better, more appropriate, uh, getting Sven as a guest is just like, I mean, that's amazing and intimidating. Um, and, <laughs> uh, you know, and I know you've got the, um, uh, Polynesian dancers, right? Dawn is bringing her troop there, right? So you've got uh, some, some dancing uh, going on some great bands uh and yeah the vibe is just going to be awesome the vibe was awesome last year and uh you know you guys are such great hosts that uh i know the vibe is going to be cool this year now let me ask you this is this something that for folks that are interested in this but they don't want to maybe go like full full weekend uh day passes available that kind of thing or so uh if we still have you know we we do have a cap for attendance um, if we, uh, still have some passes available, we will have day passes available. Um, but I highly recommend just getting the whole weekend pass because the day passes are going to stack up, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, you, I, I, personally, I would buy the weekend pass. Sure. Um, sure. If for no other reason, you, because you're going to want to like, you know, sample everything and you're going to need a place to crash. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um you know in in uh you know in that vein like we've got friends coming down from uh Devil's Reef which is a Lovecraftian tiki bar in Tacoma Washington we've got friends coming down from uh Tiki Underground um we're there there are and I've got it on good authority a couple of other bars are coming down as well just nice. to like have their own rooms uh, but also uh, sort of meet. And I have yet to go to a convention where that didn't translate to like, oh, let's, uh, right. you know, let's, let's, let's see what people can do. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. It, like I, like I said, I'm, I'm glad you had the time to, uh, uh, cause I know with only a month out, you must be still insanely busy trying to get everything ready. So I appreciate you taking the time to join us. And for those people who want more information, where should they go online? Okay. So we do own Inohele.com, of course, but for radio, we found it's easier to tell people to go to AtlantaTikiTour.com. Yeah, I, I get that. We're going to have a link in our show notes with uh, Inohele as well. But yes, uh, if you have a trouble saying, and I got to give you credit because last year at this time, I thought, man, that's a mouthful. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Inohele, it's just hard off the tongue. I find I'm just rolling with it now. Like it's, it's like, so, so you know what you were doing, man. Well, um, <laughs> once you know it, you we, know it. Word. So we hope so. We uh, we have a lot of fun. Absolutely. Um, so and yes, uh, I will be there as well. Uh, Peter and I will be there uh, with our little tiki zombie booth. So we hope to see everybody there. Jonathan, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much, gents. Always a pleasure. Anything I can do, just let me know. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, yeah, we'll see you in a month. All right, see you in a month.
We appreciate you talking all about Inuhele, uh, Jonathan. And uh, before we continue on with some other dates in March, uh, I do want to go over some dates real quick in February that you can find ESO Network folks at, and more specifically, people from the Flopcast. Uh, it's February 14th through the 16th. As you're listening to this now uh, in Los Angeles, Gallifrey One is happening and the mayor of Chickentown, uh, Felicity, is there as well. So if you're listening to this and you happen to be near uh, Los Angeles or, you know, if you have a TARDIS, uh, take it to Gallifrey One and uh, check out uh, the mayor of Chickentown. She's got plenty of ribbons uh, to give out. Uh, and ribbons will also be given out March, uh, February 28th through March 1st. That is at MarsCon, and that happens in Bloomington, Minnesota. It's a science fiction fan convention, uh, but it's also got a very, very huge, uh, distinguished uh, comedy music track. Um, and uh, Flopcast member Cornflake will be actually performing there. She'll be uh, opening, I think, the, uh, the events uh, scheduled for Friday. And then on Saturday and Sunday, she'll be, uh, of course, uh, leading folks in her dementia water aerobics, which still want video on. And uh, I heard she was performing on Sunday as well. So it's all about cornflake at MarsCon on February 28th through March 1st. Uh, so, um, and then, as I said, as we said before, in Uhele, March 6th through the 8th, that's in Atlanta, Georgia. Also in Atlanta, Georgia, March 20th through the 22nd is Toylanta. Uh, Mike and I had to miss this convention last year because of uh, it was uh, the same weekend as another uh, event that we were at. So this is going to be great fun to go back to Toylanta. They've got a um, uh, a new hotel that they're going to be at as well. So it's really exciting uh, this year at Toylanta. We look forward to seeing everybody there and, and, and it's all about the toys. Uh, and then the week after that, we go to Greenville, and that is uh, for SC Comic-Con. That is March 28th, 29th. Uh, it's one of our favorite shows of the year, um, and uh, Robert puts on a great show, and uh, we are going to be doing panels. Actually, we'll be doing panels at all three events in March. Uh, I'll be doing a panel on at Inuhele. Uh, we'll be doing recording a panel, I believe, at Toylanta, uh, and then uh, we are set to do some panels at SC Comic-Con, but those have not been finalized. So keep listening to this segment and you'll hear more information about that as we get it. So, and as it's confirmed. Um, and if you've got a convention that you want to shout out about that's happening in the next few weeks or the next few months, please let us know because we love talking about conventions. So that's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. want to thank our movie people for being here and putting up with this movie. Alex, thank you so, so much, sir. It's a pleasure, as always. It's a good conversation. And um, obviously, uh, um, it, it, it's interesting on this one that we all kind of were in the same space on it. We were, you know, some a little bit higher, some yeah. a little bit lower, but we all agreed on you know, we were respectful about it too. Right? Yeah. <laughs> right? And that's what the great thing about what... Are you saying that we've been hanging around together? The hive mind. Yes. You know what I'm getting from that? It's like yes. we're, we're thinking too much alike. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're coming we... to get you. Ha 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 ha. 
Well, it's a good thing we're not going to be recording together for a while. We're going to take a huge break uh, and not have you on for a long time, right? Yes. Because <laughs> yeah. just knowing that we're recording something in two days. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> hey, that's a while for you guys, so that's cool. Yeah. So, uh, anything you want to shout out about, sir? Real quick, I want to give some, uh, congratulations to uh, Matt and Joey Lynch. These are two men that you've not heard of. Uh, they are, in fact, a, an independent tag team called the Lynch Mob. And uh, this past Friday night uh, in Canton, Georgia, in front of 450 fans, they captured the very first Southern Honor Wrestling Tag Team titles. Mm-hmm. It was done after a four-month series of matches and ended in a cage match, which was absolutely one of the best stories told in that building uh, that I've had the pleasure of, of going to see. So congratulations to both Matt and Joey Lynch, and congratulations to Southern Honor, who continue to over-impress. That is awesome, man. That is really, really awesome. Uh, maybe I'll tag along sometime with you, because I'd like Please. to see I think Please. that would be a ton of fun. Absolutely. I wouldn't mind seeing that. So. We'll go. Okay. Ashley, thank you. Thank you so, so much. Oh, thank you. You all are my favorite a group of people to talk about movies with. So it is always a pleasure. Yeah, because you appear with so many other podcasts. Now, <laughs> you know, to talk about it. I'm glad we're still your favorite, though. She's <laughs> just slumming now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> She's like, I'll hang out with these people for now. You know, we're her birds of prey. Oh, so- <laughs> <laughs> Anything you want to shout out about, hon? Oh, um, just wanted to let everybody know I'm continuing on with my uh, Western blog series and have really enjoyed uh, chatting with Mike about those two for the Patreon account. So, and we'll, Alex will be joining us this week to talk about the Quick and the Dead. So I'm looking yeah. forward to that. Excellent. And it's exclusive only to our ESO Network patrons where you can join in too for less than 25 cents a week. Or at 25 cents, but not less than it. But it's cool. And you know what? You get to hear Ashley talk more movies with Mike Gordon. It's pretty darn awesome. And speaking of Mike Gordon, thank you as always, my friend. And as always, it's my pleasure. Anything you're going to shout out about? Uh, yeah. I uh, Speaking of being on other podcasts, uh, I joined our good friends over at PWR Spot Show. Uh, to talk all about my experience seeing uh, the tapings in the National Wrestling Alliance uh, recorded live at the studios in downtown Atlanta. Uh, It was a fun experience, and I couldn't wait to talk to someone about it. And, of course, John and Richard and Jonathan and the crew over there were more than happy to to hear about the experiences. So if you want to hear all about uh, my experience uh, watching NWA, just uh, tune in to... The latest episode of PWR Spot Show. Most excellent. Most excellent. Um, my shout out real quick is actually going out to another podcast that I appeared on, actually. And I'm very happy to announce that I was on the very first brand new episode of Nerdlanta when they came. They're coming back with brand new shows, what you've been hearing on the ESO network has been like best of shows that they've recorded with their old crew uh, when they were still recording at the joystick game bar down in Atlanta. Uh, They've moved into a studio in little five points and they are recording all brand new shows, two new hosts. And Chris is now producing the show 
And he's also, you know, being the voice of reason a little bit with it. And they asked me to be on their first episode. So I was honored last week to go down to their studio in the middle of a pouring rainstorm and go and talk all about um, ESO, Earth Station One, and podcasting, got a little bit into politics. It was actually a lot of fun just to talk about a lot of different things. And near Atlanta, I think the first episode is supposed to go live on the 16th of February. So listen to it here up on the ESO Network. And of course, a little bit of a reminder for folks who do listen to our show, uh, you know, we've been getting a lot of comments that people are having f- problems. You know, where's the new episode of the Dragon Con report? It's no longer part of our Station One folks. Uh, we're very happy to announce that the Dragon Con has officially fully split off from us, and we are having its own feed. You could find it up on all your favorite media players. You know, we're up on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Google Podcasts. Uh, We're also waiting just to hear back on iHeartRadio, but we're also up on, of course, on Apple Podcasts as just DragonCon Report. It's no longer the DragonCon Con Report, or it's just the DragonCon Report. All you have to do is to look look it up, and you will find it. And there's a brand new website under DragonCon Report that you can find episodes dating back all the way to 2014. So... This is pretty awesome, folks. We got some great things ahead for the DragonCon report. And, you know, it's less, almost exactly 200 days till DragonCon already. So get your costumes baking, baby. So we got to get ready (laughs) with that. Um, If you're, you know, if you're just trying to come up with ideas for your DragonCon, you know, costumes, or if you're saying, hey, how can I get a hotel for DragonCon? That's already too late, folks. It's pretty much, you know, you can look, go to different places and they will be releasing, you know, blocks of rooms, but the main hotels are already sold out. So, you know, I'm also very excited to say the newbies are going to be back starting this next episode. And that's going to be our February episode. And that should be out by the end of the month. Correct, Mike? Absolutely. Okay. And so it should be a lot of fun. Speaking of a lot of fun, we are going to be back again next week and we're going to say farewell to an old friend. We are going to be saying goodbye to the the good place. That's right, folks. The good place has gone sayonara and we are going to say bye to Chidi and Michael and all the rest of the crew and especially Eleanor because we love her saying Holy shirt balls. It's always great to say that, you know. So it should be a lot of fun to talk all about the good place. But until then, my name is Mike Faber. On behalf of myself, Mike Gordon, Ashley Pauls, and Alex Autry, we will see you here next time on the Air Station One podcast. Peace. And we are done. You've been listening to the Air Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Earth Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our T Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. 
We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Thank you.